We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One-two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it! 3,000 for Robin! And there's a drive in the left field! This is hit well! And it's gone! You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, another week goes by with no real meaningful Brewers news, but that doesn't mean that Adam and I won't sit down together and talk about it. We do have an update on one signing, and we're going to finish out our grades for the 2023 season by grading the infield from here on out it's nothing but looking ahead probably who knows we did a whole rewatch of uh brewers dodgers last offseason so who knows what we'll cook up but before we get into the infield grades adam how are you doing thanks for coming on the program i'm doing well um i mean maybe a little bit less than well just because this is this is gonna be a tough episode but I'll just say well and get us started on at least, you know, a mildly positive note. What I have liked, some good news, some significant news, something that's going to get us a little bit more excited about the shape of the Brewers going into the season. Yeah, I would have, like I would have for the last few weeks. We remain in a holding pattern, though, and um, I think as this episode will illustrate more than any other we've done so far, there are reasons why the Brewers should try to break out of that, because they do have some needs that really have to be addressed. Yeah, I mean, the only uh, position group 
right now. I'd say there are two of them that feel stocked and ready to go for the season. One is uh, a lot of re relief options. Uh, and, you know, the outfield is uh, crowded with uh, and they've got starters. rookies, second-year like, guys, mainstays. Yes, they got starters. They got starters. They may not, they but, may not you know, be as good as previous starters, but they have got starters. The infield remains the the area that, you know, we'll continue to talk about. What are they going to do at third base? What are they going to do at first base? Who knows? But uh, they have added to, you know, a position that is on the infield, Adam, uh, technically. Uh, another catcher to the mix. Uh, veteran 34-year-old catcher Austin Nola has been signed to a minor league deal with an invitation to big league camp. That will throw him into the mix with Eric Haas to see who shakes out as the backup on opening day to William Contreras. Nola was non-tendered by the Padres after this last season. Uh, a guy who's struggled, I think, with injuries in the last few years that have uh, kind of uh, dimmed his production a little bit. Uh, as recently as 2022, um, part of the Padres team that made the National League Championship Series had a 90 OPS plus that year, uh, 251 batting average, 321 OBP, 329 slug. Uh, you know, not not great numbers, but you'll take that from your backup catcher. Last year is where the injuries and the poor performance really had him fall off of a cliff. Uh, a 30 OPS plus in 130 uh, bats last year. Uh, I also saw on Twitter reporter said that Nola had uh, minus 13 uh, catching framing runs in his last 162 62 games. And all that means is this man has to get in the lab. And uh, by April, where he's going to be, you know, an elite framer, right? But we're speaking it into existence. Um, and yeah, this is a, a move that, you know, kind of makes sense. You don't have an established backup catcher. Haas is on uh, that deal is uh, very cheap and team friendly as well. So you uh, throw them both into the mix and see who is keeping that seat warm for Jefferson Cara. Yeah, I guess that's what we're that's currently is that the biggest storyline we have to look forward to in spring training now the the battle royale see who emerges as backup catcher. I guess the outfield situation as well who who locks in as the starters there. Outfield Listen, backup catcher, taste taste the, the fever. People really, it's it's Eric Hansen and Austin Nola that the people are locked in on. Um, I'm on Joe Ross watch as well. So yeah, okay, that's fair. I think the thing with Austin Nola is he is a name. He's someone people will know. I say that because I knew him when the news broke, and you know, given. Given the kind of the waters that the Brewers have been playing in this offseason in terms of adding guys, well, that's something nice. But his numbers kind of tell the tale of someone who has been in very pronounced decline for three seasons now. Last season reaching a level which is pretty precipitous. I mean, I guess the upside is that it would be very difficult to have worse than a 452 OPS. Uh, that he posted with the Padres last season. At least I'd hope so. I get it because of what they're doing with this spot, which I think becomes all the more clear. They're going to get someone to keep a seat warm for Jefferson Caro, like we said when they did sign Haas. Um, so this is not really all that consequential. It is just having someone there in the in the scenario where you need to give 
William Contreras, you know, a few days off. I'm going to bet that if he's healthy and he's playing well, he's not going to find himself with too many days off before it's time to bring Jefferson Caro up. They're going to try and really work Bill pretty hard. Um, I guess the other thing, though, when you look at his MLB numbers is he was kind of just great in Seattle all around and has got worse in San Diego. Maybe he's just not meant for San Diego. And maybe, maybe Milwaukee will be the fit. That's real clutching at straws, but because it's been quite a few, it's been a number of years. Uh, twenty twenty was when he got traded to the Padres, but maybe he just—I don't know. Maybe San Diego is not for him. You know, he he wants. I'm trying to find commonalities here. I guess you get more rain in Milwaukee than San Diego. Might that make him feel more like Seattle? Maybe. I don't know. Well, that's possibly what we could hope for here. San Diego, the great weather, the beach, everyone's just a little too relaxed. That makes it really hard to focus on work. If I lived in San Diego, Adam, I would, I would never go to work. I would just turn my laptop on and then go to the beach and surf. And that would make me perform worse at my job. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to fault him. For any slip in performance, just by you know that uh, that change, uh, you know the twenty nine game sample in the first half of twenty twenty with Seattle, man was Pudge Rodriguez just absolutely smacking the ball, uh, but yeah, the 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 uh, general thesis of everything that we've outlined here, Adam, is inconsequential to the Brewers' overall outlook in twenty twenty four. Is what happens with backup catcher? I think there's a. I shouldn't I shouldn't even say that. I mean, what am I based on? I think there's a chance that Ostinola is the the guy, he's probably who I would pick to win out in this battle. Um I when the more details emerged about the the Eric Haas contract and how he was not too far removed from I don't know, paying the Brewers to play for the Brewers, um it kind of it it revealed something that then when they follow it up by getting someone who is a more established veteran catcher. It feels like Nola probably has the inside track. But hey, we'll see. Um, it all just certainly makes me excited for the day where Jefferson Caro makes his big league debut. That's that's for sure. I've got a I've got a date on the calendar, Adam, that I would like to see that happen. Bye. Um, anything else around the world of baseball or the Brewers that you're itching to talk about before we get into these grades, or should we just do it? I'm trying to think if there have been any more notable signings around baseball. Uh, the Dodgers signing Tasker Hernandez to one year deal. Um, they were looking for a right handed bat that hits lefties, and he accomplishes that, and they continue to defer money. Deferring money on a one year deal is even more of just an absolute sicko move that just like, what are we doing here? I think. I think you should have to be able to, you know, pay up front or, you know, on time for the players that are on your roster. That's just a personal opinion. But uh, I don't know if we need to get into that now. No, I think I've ranted about it before and probably don't need to do it again. But yeah, there's definitely something to a market that is like basically not moving except for the Dodgers and the Dodgers are moving like a freight train in spite of the fact that they're paying none of these new signings hardly any money next year. So, yeah, talk about, like, very obvious problems that need to be addressed with the shape of things. Will they be addressed? Almost certainly not. 
Speaking of addressing problems, Adam, let's get into the infield oh, grades boy. episode. We're going to do what we've done this entire time, which is alternate going first and giving our grades, this time for the Milwaukee Brewers infield in 2023. And obviously, we're doing this uh, by playing time again. Leading us off here, Adam, is Willie Adamas. And, you know, I'll fully admit that, you know, I'm I'm biased here because Willie Adamas is, is my favorite brewer. I, I love a middle infielder. I love a guy who makes great plays with the glove. He's got a cannon of an arm, and he hits homers. That being said, he had a very inconsistent season uh, this year uh, as a brewer. Uh, really a, a tough start to the season. Kind of bounced back um, in portions in August, September. I think he, he you know, uh, there was that midseason point where he got a, a few days off and uh, seemed to ride himself a bit. But overall, just probably a, fair to say a disappointing season from Adamas with the bat. Still did hit 24 homers, 94 WRC plus, 3.4 F4 for the year. A lot of that carried by the power, obviously, um, and his glove. Uh, still an elite defender up the middle at shortstop with six in uh, baseball uh, or outs above average uh, with 16 uh, behind names like Dansby Swanson, Dairo Estrada, Andres Jimenez, Kebron Hayes, and Bryson Stott. So good company to be in there. Um, but just due to, I think, the role Willie was supposed to have on this team and the responsibilities that come with being one of the better everyday players and being a veteran on this team, uh, expectation versus reality with the bat, uh, plus the elite defense. I went with a C minus for Willie Adamas. Wow, that's much harsher than I expected. Um, because I thought I was going to be lower on this, just slightly maybe. Um, I went B minus. Oh wow. Um, so you've really this is this is the biggest gap we've had to date. You've you've knocked me over on this. I do think he really did come on strong. And this is weird because I'm now in a position where I'm going to make the case for Willie, uh, even though I thought <laughs> I was actually going to be pointing out, well, yeah, okay, he did have those 24 homers and he was pretty essential to the Brewers' offense in spite of his own struggles. But I guess we just have to talk about both sides of this. Um, I do think that spell, I won't say kind of second half of the season because... I'm not sure from memory if he was red hot towards the end, but he did have a pretty sustained stretch where he did figure something out and his offense looked like what it had been. I just wanted to see much more and I kind of expected to see much more. He was the guy coming into the season that I was highlighting and saying, if the Brewers are to really kind of level up, he needs to become someone who's a really consistent bat and someone who turns that power into, you know, 35 to 40 homers and you watch him and you watch him when he gets something going you feel like he can easily be that guy um he wasn't last season there was that spell where even the defense just wasn't there as you mentioned he did have to have that kind of time off where he did come out the other side of it in much better shape but i don't know i think it was a tricky season all around but one where he still showed what he can do and he produced enough to remain a really important cog of the Brewers' offense and to help them achieve what they ultimately did achieve and also what they ultimately didn't achieve, which is, you know, anything beyond the quickest of postseason exits. So 
I don't I don't know where to go with this. I feel like C minus. I, I, I think there's a middle ground that if we're going to share a grade, I think a meeting in the middle of a C plus is what would make the most sense. I could do it. I could do it. I, I, th- I just think the. Like, I don't know. He has look at his last two seasons. There's such weird stat lines offensively because uh, he had a higher OPP uh, this season by 12 points. His slug was down significantly. And just that made the overall like offensive value output significantly weaker than 2022. But I don't know. He's just a, a very interesting player. Seven fewer homers than he hit last year, but he played 10 more games. So obviously, like you said, there was that portion of the season he was just kind of lost in, in the wilderness offensively. And then he figured something out. I would say that despite me being harsh on my favorite player here, we do meet at the middle at the C plus. I, I would pick Willie as probably one of my bigger back bounce back candidates on this team going into 2024 in a contract year, um, playing for trying to get in the realm of some of those crazy shortstop deals that we saw an off season ago. I don't think he'll be in that area, but elite defensive shortstop with the power that he has, I think he can really prove some stuff this year and really make himself some money on that next contract. I hope so. Um, there is something there which makes me a little bit kind of nervous about predicting that. I, I'm i not seeing something to say that will come true. I feel like it should. I feel like he should have had a bigger season last year. It's hard to tell exactly with him. It does feel like he should be performing better than he is, I think, in terms of his ability and I think generally in terms of how he applies himself, he he has all the tools to be one of the best shortstops in baseball. Um, but it's just not quite clicked. Not quite clicked. A, a really, really good player, um, which there is nothing wrong with. But he's in kind of a place where you look at the shape of the Brewers. This is changing somewhat. I mean, if Yelly has another strong season kick on from what he did last year, if Jackson Churio comes in and can make an impact immediately, well, then it's less about that. But last year was one where the Brewers kind of needed Willie to be the offensive star that he, in some ways, looks like he has the tools that he could be. And it just didn't come together under that pressure. We could make a whole bunch of reasons for why that was, but... I don't know. I'm interested to see what he looks like this season, but I would be wary of predictions. I'm not saying I expect him to absolutely crater. Um, I think he'd probably be better overall than he was. But I don't know if he'll just be able to turn it on and hit like the heights of his ability because it's a career year. Um, because I don't know if to this point it's always kind of matched up with this is the moment you need to be at your best. This is your big chance where he has kind of delivered that in the big leagues. Obviously, for anyone to get to this place to begin with, there's a level of that true in your life. Um, but I'll be interested to see how he performs. Steamer projections on fan graphs have him kind of reaching a middle ground between the last two seasons. They project him at a 237 average, 319 OBP, 436 slug, with 27 homers. Uh, 103 WRC plus if he could settle into kind of that which I think feels like the player he is really uh, we take that season I think and <laughs> I would uh, not be as as harsh to counteract my own bias but uh, moving on 
Next up, Adam, you have William Contreras. William Contreras, a player that when he was acquired by the Brewers for bag of chips, um, people talked about, you know, well, what is his position? What can he do? He's going to have to DH. He was an all-star DH uh, with Atlanta before coming to Milwaukee. And it just felt like so many people had written the book on he's a really poor pitch framer. He's not a defensive catcher at all to the extent where can you even really call him a catcher? Do you want to play him there? And yet we never saw that once. I think that's maybe the most remarkable part of all of this on the Brewer's side and on Contreras' side. It's not like by the end of his first season with the Brewers, we were like, oh, this is an incredibly well-rounded elite catcher. It was basically from day one. <laughs> like the work that they did in the offseason, the work that the staff did with him, they just kind of fixed everything to some extent. And they made him into the player that everyone was so kind of focused on saying he wasn't just overnight, immediately. Here you go. He is now not just, you know, an average defensive catcher. He's not just, you know, good. He's one of the best in baseball. That's the kind of season he put together. Completely, completely wild. Um, so, so reliable offensively, led the Brewers in OPS at 828. My one critique of him, I given the power he demonstrates, I want to see more homers, 17 homers. I think he could do a little bit more than that. I think he also led the Brewers in doubles. Am I right on that? Yeah, 38 doubles. I think we could stretch some of those out just a little bit further and we can maybe up that home run total. But that is kind of the only criticism I could have of William Contreras and his first season. Uh, I'm not going to give him the perfect A+, but I'm going to give him an A. I think he was really, really fantastic. And if the Brewers can continue to see that version of him, well, they've got an embarrassment of riches with Jefferson Caro coming true, and it'll take a lot of pressure off Caro and allow them to develop him in a way that hopefully gives them the best out of him too. And yeah, who knows? Maybe longer-term Contreras does find himself as more of a DH, but it won't be because there's any kind of limit to his abilities with the glove, and that's exciting. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I went with an A as well for everything you said. I think part of it is the reputation that we heard with him coming from Atlanta. I mean, the whole talking point around why the Braves would make that move and they go get Murphy and end up shipping uh, Contreras to Milwaukee so that Oakland can get Ruiz to complete the deal was that, you know, they're going to get a similar offensive output from Murphy going from Oakland to Atlanta and a much better defensive output. And William Contreras said, hey, guess who's uh, also going to be an elite defensive catcher? Me, the Brewers, uh, obviously, player development staff uh, is owed a lot of credit to that because they do it all the time. But he also should get credit for putting in the work to change his game behind the plate. And then, like you said, the consistent um, offensive output from a, you know, a position where that isn't always the case. Um, and he's one of the better offensive catchers in the league, better defensive catchers in the league, and is part of the core the Brewers will build around for the future, along with Jackson Chorio and Caro and the Freelix and other guys that will make up the core of the next great Brewers team. And uh, it's an A season for me and his first season with the Milwaukee Brewers. Who up next, Adam? Bryce Terang. Uh, another tough one to talk about Bryce Terang uh a guy who you know like Adam I I try and remember what we said um at the time when we were talking about some of these guys as they make their debut uh when we did our final projections for who would make the opening day roster you and I did not think Bryce Terang was going to be the opening day second baseman and that's and it ended up being what happened we thought um we thought it would be uh Brian Anderson at third, Willie Thomas at short, and Luis Arias at second. And instead, we had the great video of the traders, Craig Council, telling uh, Bryce that he had made the team. And uh, was he the one where he did, we're going to option you to Chicago thing? Uh, was that the one they did with Bryce, oh, or was boy. that someone else? Um, uh, I don't which... know. I hadn't given that much thought since, but I might have to give it more thought now that you've reminded me. Yeah. Uh, anyway. That wasn't uh, with Craig? Is he being optioned to Chicago? Is that... See, like watching it uh, back now is is probably going to be funny. Um, Craig Council, born a bear. Uh, anyway, uh, Bryce Terang, great with the glove, bad with the bat. Had the great moment in the opening uh, uh, home weekend of the series where he, he hits the grand slam. Uh, just fantastic moment. And really struggled to find any sense of consistency with the bat. 60 WRC plus on the season, 218 average, 285 OBP, 300 slug, uh, 26 stolen bases. So that was one of the uh, positive aspects of his game. Uh, did end up with, with six homers. Uh, graded out really well defensively via fan graphs, defensive runs saved. I think he was uh, towards the top of the league for second baseman there. Uh, stat cast out to above average was a little bit less flattering. I think with the eye test, you and I, Adam, would say watching him every day, he was a very good defensive second baseman and made 
at least a play a week that made us say wow and provided some consistency defensively there for the Brewers. This is a tough one for me um, just because of how poor the offensive performance was uh, <laughs> after uh, giving Willie Adamas a C minus. It might sound insane that that's exactly what I'm going to give for, for Terang um, just because of expectations rookie versus veteran and obviously we landed with a c plus for willie i'm so sorry willie i don't know why i was so harsh on you uh but yeah i think terang's defense rides and speed provided some value in his rookie season but it's clear that to be a regular big leaguer he's going to have to figure out something with the bat and i think he's probably the one i'm most unsure of going into 2024 I, I went with a C and I used very much the same thought process that went into grading Joey Weimer last week, which is I just think when you come to do this exercise and you look through all the players at the positions, and I mean we've talked about Willie Adams and William Contreras, and then third in terms of playing time, we're getting to Bryce Terang. That's not ideal, and part of that is not on Bryce. That's the Brewers essentially not having this part of the roster in order, which is true last year and maybe true again this year. And so we have a prospect who was not expected to be a lead offensively comes up and if anything is worse offensively than anyone expected on a level that is not sustainable in the long term. That doesn't mean it can't turn. Um, I think everyone from what they've seen from Bryce defensively would agree. You can live with Bryce trying being a career below average offensive player with how good his defense is but it does also take you know a team that can sustain that around him and i part of me thinks that's unfair too that he he could be exposed to added criticism because like he's not the nameless faceless guy who's drafted in for half a season or for 10 games here or there to stand the first base or stand the third base which are actually greater positions of need for the Brewers, he's the guy who went out and was essentially your everyday second baseman for the majority of the season. And he gets probably a slightly harder ride then for his offensive struggles because it's like, oh, this is Bryce is a key part of what we're doing here. I the infield picture, as will continue to become clear, is a really tough scene. And I think being asked to assume a prominent role in that play a lot of games. He had his good moments. It was always going to be tougher for him to adjust offensively. I think everyone expected that. The defense held up. We've got to see what he can figure out and to how to what extent, like how much he can figure out the offense. I just, I would feel wrong. I mean, I could go to C minus, but I think a lot of people would be happy to give Bryce a grade lower than that. And I'd find that very difficult because I don't think he's necessarily put in a position to succeed by the Brewers with one, how much they have to rely on him, and two, what the rest of the production looks like in the infield. Like, you get set up to be, oh, well, we're not getting anything from Bryce, that's why we lost this game, when you've got names like Darren Ruff and Luke Voigt and Josh Donaldson coming in at some points to play first base, which is really a much bigger hole offensively. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um to balance that uh, expectation versus just how truly bad the performance was offensively. Um, I think I saw in something I read the other day that like the only player to 
re receive as many plate appearances as Bryce that with like worse numbers when you chalk it all down with Tim Anderson and we know we know the kind of season he had. Uh I'll be interested to see especially like what does Bryce do to make adjustments to catch up with velocity because that was one thing that really just confounded him this year. You could just pound him with high velocity fastballs and he just looked lost. Um so that's something to watch moving forward. I think, like you said, the degree to which he needs to become whatever kind of offensive threat is much lower than uh, other places on the roster because if he provides that great defense and becomes even just like a slightly below league average hitter, the Brewers would take that at second base and, you know, see that out. Um, the question is, does he get there? And how much, how much more rope are they going to give him to get there into this season is something I mean, i'm looking for the water alternatives and that's part of the problem it's like if oliver if dunn is probably they the, have, yes the they, name. they do have one this year but look we'll see how that plays out like the story of last year is like if owen miller didn't suck well maybe bryce is a much easier time adjusting to life as a rookie you know <laughs> instead of having oh this is someone who's been around a bit this is our veteran who can kind of you know, take a lot of the starts. We're not going to be dealing in every day. We've got a young prospect that we're kind of, we're starting to blood this season. We've got a veteran who's not going to let us down. It's like the fact that you didn't have that, it then falls on Bryce Terang to give you production that's representative of that, as opposed to he's someone who's coming in in, you know, key defensive situations, making great plays, building up confidence. And then we start to see some of that come true on the offensive side. I'm not naive. I'm not saying there's any guarantee of that. He has he has issues in his game offensively. But I, I do think that he's not well served at all by what the Brewers had around them and the underperformance of other guys who could have played second base. And look, Luis Arias is actually the guiltiest party in that. Like, I shouldn't throw Owen Miller under the bus for that. Owen Miller's, like, the backup to the backup. Or, yeah, I guess he could be the backup to the backup, and it didn't even pan out like that. Like, Weicho was the guy before he just started to crumble at the end of the previous season and have all of his injuries, but just lose his performance levels entirely and managed to be even worse before being traded away last season. So... Like that's that's the kind of the landscape of which Bryce Terang emerged as an everyday starter. Maybe maybe Oliver Dunn can be the steady, you know, the steady presence that takes some of that pressure away. I you've told me some encouraging things on that front. I'm still I'm not banking on it. I'm more expecting. It's like if you keep kind of working with this range of options and trying to then also have a rookie who's very talented but also is clearly flawed tribe i think you're going to end up disappointed in all fronts you're not you're not giving the players involved or yourself as a team the best chance of success at that spot so second base remains a real real concern for me and that's funny because they actually have guys who can play there <laughs> they have guys that like Bryce rolls flaws. If Bryce Durang is starting at second base on opening day, I'm like, cool, Bryce is a everyday second baseman. Like that is still really what they should be aiming for. Whether he can live up to that is a different question. But yeah. 
I, I still have my my Agent Zero Bryce Terang jersey that I got with with you. Not not that we bought them together. You were just with me when I, I when, when I bought it. I went over to we'll, the customization We'll get to my machine, jersey shortly. And we made it happen. And I, I'm not throwing it away. I'm keeping it. I'm holding on to hope. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Bryce Strang, as you all know, uh, now wears uh, uh, number two after the dearly departed Luis Arias uh, was traded to Boston. And he's now on another organization as he tries to win a job in Seattle. All right, Adam. Uh, moving on to the next person on this list. Uh, a man who went missing in action late, late in the season. Brian Anderson up next. Yeah, is this to be a segment or are we going to start a true crime podcast? Um, I have no idea and it's even more puzzling when you go to do this exercise and you're like, oh, who played fourth most in the infield for the Brewers last season? And it turns out to be Brian Anderson. And you look at his numbers, which weren't good, but also in the relative, you know, in the arena that is Brewers infield options, they were not the worst. He started the season fantastically. We were there in Milwaukee to, you know, soak up Brian Anderson mania, right? It was a bit like insanity. Um, and then it just, it fell off a cliff. But even stranger than that was, it didn't feel like he got the opportunity to to get it back, to work back from it at all. Um, I thought we were going to find out after the season what actually happened there. That was the word. We didn't. Um, so DFA just before the postseason, right? Uh, he was DFA'd after the deadline for when he could have been eligible for the postseason with someone else. I know that much. Um, that's that sounds right. I've I've blocked a lot of things uh, out of my memory from this season. Um, well, the whole the whole thing was he's not playing. Council was giving weird quotes about him. And we're like, okay, yeah, he was DFA'd well, on September 28th. That's just, when they really, activated Garrett that Mitchell. Sucks. I don't know what he did. <laughs> I don't know what he did. Um, maybe he did something, but we've never heard about it. I just I can't make head or tail of what Brian Anderson's season was. Um, nine home runs, probably seven or eight of them came in the first two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> 678 OPS 94 games played overall which you know is a lot he was basically someone who was playing nearly every day until he was almost banished from the organization no idea what happened don't understand any of it um I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt it to go C minus for Brian Anderson honestly I don't does Brian Anderson deserve a D Maybe, maybe there's things we don't know about that actually make that the case, but I don't know. This is a very difficult one. Um, I'm fine with the C minus. I'm not going to fight you on that. I don't have strong feelings about Brian Anderson one way or the, or the other. I really liked his throwing arm this year. That was uh, that was fun to watch. He's he's got a howitzer over there at third base or or in right field wherever. Uh, he's deployed. Um, yeah, I'm fine with the C minus. I don't. I'm not gonna fight you about Brian Anderson. I'll just say it was a weird season, and like we can call it overall just a bargain bin signing that failed. I should it have failed? Did it fail? 
Could it have I'm, not well, failed? Okay, I, okay, Adam, do, Adam. Do, do you mind need to talk... say on the non on the on the weird stuff? I mean, are you just gonna make me talk about how weird this is? I don't. I still don't understand well, I think, what happened here. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know why he was rostered for so long before finally just like getting rid of him if they weren't gonna play him ever. Um, you know, obviously they were riding out Andrew Monasterio hot streaks uh here and there, which made that third base job not available. I think uh, a theory that you know you and I have discussed, Adam, is did Brian Anderson walk in on Craig Council trying on Cubs hats? Is that something that could have happened? And that just, you know, soured the relationship from there and that wrote his ticket. It's he, you know, he walked in, Craig was there, Cubs hat, Chicago, deep dish pizza. And that's he was banished for there. No one, no one else could know. Free uh, Brian Anderson, on. maybe. Who knows? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Um, maybe, maybe not. I just, it's, it's the weird of all of the players you've had to talk about. This is the weirdest one because I don't also want to take away from the fact that on the whole he ended up being bad, but he was yeah. not so bad, and certainly. Like the peak of what he showed was about as high as anyone else on the roster last season. That how it played out from there. Baffling, really weird. Uh, I was trying to look for these splits. So he had three homers in March slash April and May. None in June. One in July. Two in August. So none in the second half of the season. That stuns uh, me, though. That... No, th- wait, three in the second half of the season. Sorry. Um, I'm looking at this tally wrong. Yeah, it seemed it, it felt like that Mets series were like where all the homers came from. But, you know, apparently he sprinkled a few uh, throughout the rest of the season. We were just too distracted by the minutia of 162 games of baseball and then Brian Anderson getting exiled to wherever they sent Napoleon, same island. Next up on the list, Adam. Um, you know, I've I've got my beer to pour out on the ground here next to me. Is uh, speaking of jersey purchases, uh, Rowdy Telez next up on the list. Uh, three hundred eleven at bats this year, two fifteen batting average, two ninety one OBP, three seventy six slug, uh, thirteen homers. Missed some time for various injuries, including the gnarly one with his finger getting uh, mangled in the fence at uh, Great American Ballpark, I believe it was, in Cincinnati. Um, Rowdy has remained in the National League Central, will be a Pittsburgh Pirate this year. Um, just a bad season from Rowdy that was marred by poor performance when he was in there and also just the weird injury situation and uh, never seemed to figure it out. Um, I can't decide if I want to like really upset you here adam or i want to follow the the brian anderson uh route and go with the c minus you, you know you go with what you feel is the great and we we see from there that's like don't worry about anything else um i mean i went with a c minus for Teles because he was bad also unlucky and i i almost wonder if my expectations for him going into the season uh were a little too high. I mean, there's a very real possibility he bounces back in Pittsburgh this year, and we're talking about, oh, why did the 
Brewers let Rowdy go, but there's also a very real possibility that we're talking about that 2022 season with 35 homers as an outlier in his career. And I'm wondering if that's more the case than than he's all of a sudden going to bounce back. Uh, I don't I don't think the expectations are too high. I I think they were in line to with say his production post trades and the impact he and Willie had managed to make when they arrived in Milwaukee. So I I don't think that was. Uh, I'm giving Rowdy a D. He sucked. He was really bad. Um, he still should have got more opportunity at times. Um, I, I another player that I found just counsels usage of weird given the alternatives. Um, the injury, the gruesome, gruesome injury, was really dumb. Like it's very unfortunate, but it was also kind of dumb, and he just wasn't having a great season, to say the least. He was bad. The Brewers needed more from him. I, I think it's it's a D. It pains me to say it. I'm going to miss him greatly. I do think he'll bounce back. And I. that's part of like, yeah, maybe it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's time for him to move on. That's all well and good if the Brewers get an actual first baseman. Um, because if Rowdy does bounce back and the Brewers have like got nothing at that spot because they just haven't taken any kind of swing... That's going to be very annoying. Uh, very annoying. There's good reason to move on at this point, I think, for both sides, but that requires actually going and getting a starting first baseman if you're the Brewers. May well be someone we'll talk about yet. If that's the case, fine. I don't know if that will necessarily serve them well at this point in that player's career too. But, yeah, Rowdy was, Rowdy was bad. Um, still a lot of it I didn't understand like him not being on the postseason roster. What Jesse Winker? What are we doing here? Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's gonna bounce back to the degree that he, you know, performed in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two, but I also like his projection more than I would like what the Brewers have in the first base mix right now. So I'll agree with you there that if we get to the end of this and they're just, you know, no good options at first, we're gonna feel like well maybe why didn't they figure out if uh, he was truly done one more year considering they didn't really do anything to replace him. And I think you and I both think that uh, we'll be getting that Carlos Santana reunion any day now. Um, Yeah. Uh, Bad season from Rowdy. And uh, we'll see uh, what he looks like across the, uh, or in the batter's box as he's facing Brewers now. If Corbin Burns remains a Brewer, will, will he keep his promise and hit him in his first at bat? We'll have to find out. Uh, next up, we go back to you, Adam, for Owen Miller. Uh, floor is yours. I see my time. I feel I got a bum deal here to have gone from Brian Anderson to Owen Miller this earlier on. This might just be luck of the draw, but I feel I feel this is this is rough. Um, Owen Miller, Wisconsin's own. It wasn't good. Didn't deliver. Wasn't particularly useful. Um, kind of a frustrating player to watch defensively. Not a whole lot to write home about. Offensively, even less so. Um, good base runner. Good steal base. That's useful, but. 
kind of frustrating player to watch the plate, someone who didn't really deliver a whole lot. 674 OPS. Um, only playing 89 games, spent a lot of time with Nashville. I wasn't exactly lighting it up there. It's not like he kind of kicked the door open for himself to come and be a contributor for those 89 games with the Brewers. It's just, again, the, the dirt of options and some of the injuries that took place and some of the openings that just existed. Um, I don't, I like, I've kind of, I'm done with Owen Miller. I get mid D. I just like this is as this is as what are we doing here as it gets. I just I it's like just literally filling a roster spot. Just that's all it does is fill a roster spot. Not like productively, not that you feel good about it, just oh, there is like there is a pulse on the roster at that spot. Um and I'm not trying to just like drag on Miller because I do think there are other guys we'll talk about this too but it's if you're employing some of the tactics the brewers are and if you have these areas of weakness where your own prospects are not necessarily either filling these kind of voids or at least coming up fast enough to do so i think you've got to kind of turn some of this over and cycle through the mediocrity much faster than they necessarily are. Um, this kind of, I guess, taps into some of the concerns I have about Andrew Monasterio that I expressed last week, and I guess they can come up again, but I think there's a very clear playing with fire when every time you just get like something out of a kind of proven mediocre fringe player that buys them a relatively long leash and quite a lot of time because you don't have something else or you're not spending the money to go and get something better. And Owen Miller is, I don't want to make him the poster boy for that type of player on the Brewers, but he's certainly like right among the front of a wider class of guys that just don't move me at this point. I'm like, sure, he's there. And if it comes to it, it's going to mean bad things. Uh, I gave him a C minus because I gave Rowdy a D plus and he was better than Rowdy. Um, he, he, like you said, nothing special defensively, um, nothing special offensively. That uh, 80 at bat sample in May where he really performed, uh, you know, that, that was bank time and value. So I give him credit for that. But overall, uh, not a player that I think has a place in. Uh, the roster other than organizational filler. I can't remember the option situation with him. Um, I think he's got one more, um, but that could have been from 2023, so that could have been his last option year. Not exactly sure on that, but yeah, not someone I would really factor into uh, discussions about meaningful playing time next year if you can, you know, fuck, I, I think, sorry, Ty. Um, I, uh, God, we've been on such a run. Uh, I know, but I I just literally like visualized a depth chart in my mind about the right side of the infield, and it. it made me want to throw up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Carlos Santana save us from a Jake Bowers Owen Miller first base platoon. That's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. I'm gonna say it right now. It's not gonna happen. Uh, but it's is it? 
it's not gonna happen. If Santana doesn't sign, it's not gonna happen. I mean, I'll probably like lead protests outside the ballpark <laughs> if that happens, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm not I'm not convinced. I mean, part of the thing too is I mean, old Miller, like it's it's why he's still around. You can spin it as value, and of course it is, there's value to it. But he can technically, technically, he could play and has played for the Brewers all across the infield. I don't think he's played short, but he could. He certainly has played for a second and third. So he may still appear in the depth chart at another spot in a way that is totally uninspiring. Like, if that's not the first base depth chart, uh, maybe the third base one that Tyler Black doesn't get promoted to start the season, and it's like monasterio and owen miller i mean like this is that's kind of what i'm saying and like that's yet yeah, to a large extent it's not his problem but it when the brewers build a team like this and this is not a guy that it's like he's not the flyer for this year he is not the bowers he is not the done right these in my head until proven otherwise they are just the next go around of these kind of guys uh, maybe eventually one of them isn't and can stick and can contribute in a way that sustains for a full season or maybe sustains beyond that. But it is something that the Brewers are more dependent on replacement level guys than maybe any other good team in baseball. Like it feels like more of these guys stick around with the Brewers and the Brewers still manage to win games than you see on any other good team. Like, these are the kind of guys who populate bad teams, really, really young teams. The Brewers are trending more towards being a really young team, whether they're a bad team. We'll find out, and I hope not. But Miller Miller could you still frustrate go. you at other spots. And it's, like, it's, on the one hand, it's not his fault. But for the purpose of this exercise, like, he wasn't good last year anyway. So I can't defend him on that. Uh, the, yeah, the I mean, the soft contact, uh, lucky base hits, they count, they're banked, but if I have to watch them try and sustain on that again, I'm going to go insane. If I have to watch the 5.5% walk rate again for meaningful bats, I'm going to go insane. If I'm going to have to watch him swing at the first pitch, swing through the first pitch every time, I'm going to go insane. Um, you might. But yeah, I think it's something It's something you can get away with and that you can talk yourself into when you've got a healthy Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta leading your rotation and an elite bullpen that's closing games out the seventh eighth and ninth are all done because uh like once you get to that point it's curtains for the other team uh we may still yet have that next season but the rotation uh obviously obviously they didn't have woodruff for a lot of last season either but you know uh in in my idealized world of what a brewers team relying on french players looks like it's because their rotation is scary as hell and it's less scary right now uh, moving on to another one of those fringe guys, uh, Andrew Monasterio. Uh, add him to the class of rookies. Um, 259, 330, 348 slash line for a 678 OPS. Uh, guy that came out of nowhere was not on our radar uh, at all coming into last season. And again, much like... Uh, Owen Miller had some sustained periods of unsustainable success, we'll call it. <laughs> um, 
the 330 OBP is really what stood out to me about Monasterio. Obviously, can play a few different positions on the diamond um, to varying degrees of success. Uh, put together much better at bats than than Miller, I think, like because he did display uh, a little bit more uh, patience at the plate. Uh, I was probably a, l- a little too overzealous on this. I went with a C plus just because of him not being on my radar at all going into the season. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I'm with you, C+. Um, again, someone I use as like the scapegoat figure, but it's only because I fear what's coming. Like if if after having seen, okay, here's your kind of free pass. Oh, we didn't know who you were. We really didn't think you'd factor into the Brewers. And you came and you made good plays and you played a lot and you just helped the team kind of weather the storm and get to a place that ultimately won the division made the playoffs. It's like, okay, that season is out of the way. Now, if Andrew Monasterio gets a C plus from me 12 months from now when we're doing this, I think they will take more than what he did, but I'll be very happy. I'll be very pleased. I'll applaud him. And we just, we go from there. I just feel like, he could be set up for a, like an Owen Miller. Oh, honeymoon is over, and watching the same thing or watching it even dip slightly gets very, very frustrating in year two. And we'd see less of him play. Of course, we don't know how any of this is going to pan out with Pat Murphy. Maybe Pat Murphy is a guy who is going to have us like tearing our hair out, where he's just like, "Well, Andrew Monasterio brings the right attitude to the game. He's going to play every day." He's my guy. I'm riding with him. That's it. Or maybe these kind of guys get a very, very short leash, and he's the kind of manager who will be uh, pestering the front office more and more when guys just don't deliver. Hard to know on the kind of on which scale of the old school baseball guy that Pat Murphy will ultimately fall with the Brewers. So I guess we'll learn. We'll find out in time. But. I don't, I don't think you're overzealous. I think a C plus is fair. Um, there's just like zero that makes me feel like that's sustainable. And that's probably what has me talking down about Monasterio quite a lot approaching the new season. He's not the utility option like that's like right at the back of the bench. So you're like, oh, cool. That's great. No, he's right now. Again, he's in with a real chance of being the opening day starting third baseman. So that's not setting Andrew Monasterio up to be anything other than a scapegoat. Like it's so we're talking about. You're putting guys who aren't aren't accustomed to and don't have the chops to perform at that level day in, day out for a full season. They're the ones who will eventually 
be the players we all complain about. That's not really their fault. Next up on the list, the trade deadline acquisition who stabilized the first base spot uh, that had been a real problem spot for the Brewers with uh, Rowdy's poor performance and Owen Miller having a lot of time there and everything we've spent the last half hour talking about. Up next, Adam, is Carlos Santana. I have a B for Carlos Santana because he basically did what you would have asked him to do when the Brewers picked him up in the trade, what they needed to get out of him. Him and Marcana were legitimate, you know, season changers. The Brewers could have really flagged all energy, could have gone out of it, and the the end of the season could have looked very different. Both of those guys being real positives, um, I think was a pretty significant factor in the Brewers being able to kick on and look, remove everything else. I think Santana was one of the players who helped to make the latter parts of the season a lot of fun, which with a season as long as a baseball season is, it's very welcome. I appreciate that. Um, what I will say, the defense was like regularly not good. He made multiple bad plays, which coming with the reputation that he had long earned as a defender was disappointing. If they do bring him back, I think there's a lot of things you could expect to, you know, start to decline with Santana, given his age. I would certainly hope that we see better defense or maybe like, I don't know, some of those mistakes probably could be characterized as mental errors or issues with focus because we're not talking about the most complicated plays where he just whiffed on a few of them, you know, through the wickets kind of stuff. We'll see how that pans out. Um, Power was there as advertised and is a guy who can just really kind of cut loose. If he gets hot, that's a power tread of the kind that the Brews didn't have anywhere else on the roster with Rowdy Tales not performing. So yeah, I think he was very good. He gave the Brewers overall what they wanted. Um, I think his defense could have been better, but that is up against the standard where he has a reputation for being a great defender. Yeah, to be for Carlos Santana as well. He was exactly what we would have expected and hoped for when that trade was made. 109 OPS plus 11 homers in the 226 plate appearances. Like you said, uh, shakier defensive moments than he had had um, as a pirate uh, early in the season where he was very good. He made some nice n- nice plays for the Brewers too. His range has seemed to not diminish with his old age. Um, like you said, there were just those kind of uh, like... Uh, brain fart for a lack of a better word play like the and the weird ball that I think Corbin Carroll or Alec Thomas hit in the playoff games one that springs to mind um, but yeah um, did the job exactly what you would have wanted um, from him coming into that role uh, age 38 season coming up will he be back we think yes uh, that remains to be seen uh, I'll always remember the sound of the ball coming off the bat and the homer that I heard Carlos Santana hit against the Braves. I think that was his first homer as a brewer. It sounded like a gunshot. Um, Carlos Santana, a B from me as well. And I uh, was, I think, probably vital in the, the Brewers uh, making that playoff push. Next up, it, turn it over to me, Victor Caratini, who is now a Houston Astro. 259 batting average, 327 uh, OBP, 383 slug, um, hit seven homers in 201 at bat, 60 games played for Victor. Um, 
I think with Vic, I go with a B as well. In our uh, Master Brewer leaderboard, it always seemed like uh, Victor Caratini would play in one game in the series, and he would do his typical like one for three with a run driven in and a walk or something like that. And he always found a way to make a contribution in that limited playing time. Um, I think just he was the ideal archetype for what you want out of your once or twice a week backup catcher. Um, And I think he's been rewarded for that with a deal in Houston that has to see the Brewers go elsewhere for what they're getting in the backup catcher. And based on what we've seen, the recent track records of those additions, as we've spoken about this episode and the last episode, uh, what Victor Caratini was doing um, was valuable and better than you could tend to expect um, from a backup catcher. He got two years, $12 million contract with the Astros, obviously far north of what the Brewers are paying their backup catcher options for this season. Uh, I appreciated Victor's time in Milwaukee, especially as he was a last ditch kind of panic trade uh, acquisition after the Pedro Severino uh, Literally suspension. the day before the season. Yeah. So uh I salute you, Vic, and uh you know, we'll see you down the line when uh Houston comes to town. Your Vic grade was a B. Um yeah, I'm on a B minus, but I'm not gonna fight on that. I love Vic. Vic not only was he like very steady and so much more than you could ever want your backup catcher to be, if there's any like evidence of that that's needed, it's like just think of the conversation we were having at the start of this podcast. We're talking about Austin Nola and we talk about Eric Haas and we talk about like who may get some of those playing opportunities. The Brewers have been spoiled to have Victor Caratini as the backup catcher um, past couple of seasons. But not only like just really solid, someone who didn't let them down, someone who built up a really strong rapport with key pitchers, Corbin Burns, very notably. Um for a long time until the Brewers moved away from that late in the season. Um, I think the other thing with Caratini, though, flair for the dramatic, you know, a knack for producing a really big hit in a really big moment, uh, multiple walk-offs, like a guy who just overall, his offensive production doesn't necessarily point to him being that kind of guy. But he was that guy. Like, if you're going to have Victor Caratini in a game late, he found ways to produce pretty regularly um for the brewers and i think that shouldn't go kind of under discussed either victor cartini delivered a number of moments of real celebration for the brewers so yeah he'll be greatly missed and i sure would love i would love my team to be picking up a victor cartini-esque you know player i think that's that's a kind of nice sign where you can just like yeah look at what we've got here this is really solid and we know that this is above average production for a backup catcher all right adam next up on the list you did you uh sorted your list by games played not at bats right and i might have sorted it by at bats i i used games played as my cutoff for where i was giving grades okay Okay. So Sounds I good. do think it's at bats those have sorted them, which would have Mike Barroso next for me. Is that where I should be going? Correct. Correct. And I am uh I am up up to bat on that one. Uh just twenty nine games. No, I think it's me. It's me. Oh, you're right. You're up to Mike Barroso. Sorry, I'm 
build a I mean, lot of rear. I, <laughs> I kind of like, again, I don't feel like this is rich, but when I see what's coming next, I'm not going to let you swipe in and just take Mike Brasso like that on me. Um, Mike Brasso was kind of a weird one, too. Didn't have it. Again, a player who mostly as a bench bat, as a pinch hitter, had been pretty effective for the Brewers um, and had seemed to have some real value, but just didn't quite pan out, struggled. 654 OPS, four homers in his 29 games. Um, I do, like, over the course of the season, you do kind of think of some of the options they did have versus Brasso and what you get out of that. Brasso was not a standout defender, not always the most reliable, but they certainly trade defense for that. And there was times where I think they could have, could have done with the kind of pop that he did show himself to be capable of. Um, well, yeah, ultimately not a good season. I'll give him a D plus, but he kind of, he played his way off the Brewers, even if there's a case he made that maybe he should have had a little bit more opportunity. Uh, yeah, I was at a D for Rosso, just for all this, the same reasons you listed. Uh, there was a time <laughs> early in the season where leadoff Brasso against lefties was something Craig was toying with, and obviously that did not stick enough to the point where he would stick around. Uh, finish the season in MPB with the Chibolote Marines and uh, recently signed a minor league deal with the Kansas City Royals. So Bross trying to get back into the big leagues this season after finishing um, in Japan. Uh, next up on the list, the way I've got it sorted, Adam, uh, <laughs> I'm going for first for this one. And it's appropriate. It's very appropriate that I lead off this grade. Luke Voigt, 68 at bats, hit 221, 284, 265, 548 OPS, uh, first base DH type, F. I give him an F. I give myself an F for advocating for him all spring. Hard F. I, I give, this I F is Numa, much for me. Numak gets an F for being his number one fan. Oh, I forgot about that. That's a good point. Sorry, I, I cut you off. I'm sure you've got multiple minutes more on Luke Voigt. No, it's just I've had a lot of dumb takes over the course of this podcast. I'll continue to have dumb takes over the course of this podcast. But just advocating so strongly for Luke Voigt and then him just flopping directly onto his large face is uh, just, you know, a big L for me. So L, F, whatever letter I need to assign myself, I'm assigning it and just with vitriol inward to myself. Yeah, Luke Voigt's an F. Let's keep it moving. Like, it's, we've, we've, done a lot here this is a painful episode it's not the most fun maybe some of our grades you know people have been, oh you were too harsh or you were too listen i'd like to sit you down in front of a microphone and be like hey talk about the brewers infield from last year all of them not just willie Contreras and willie adamas all of them see how you feel yeah this 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 position group has twisted my brain into a pretzel more than any other because it's the most where I've had to be like, what do I think did this person do versus I thought this person was going to suck and they did suck. And it's just throwing me into a pot of cosmic gumbo, Adam, uh, where I don't know all the ingredients as I'm putting it into my spoon. Um, wow. Cosmic gumbo. That is even by your standards, that is something. 
that's a that's a deep cut. Uh, I think you should leave reference for uh any of the the viewers listening. Uh, so there was a guy you had on uh the list that we're gonna give incompletes to, but he actually had more plate appearances than another guy we're gonna do on the list. So do we want to do both of them or no? I don't care. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna knowing, do it. Knowing the guys, knowing the guys we're talking about, fine. Um, yeah, fine. I, I'll give you. I I'll, I'll throw it over to you, working, Josh Donaldson. Was, well, Josh Donaldson. Oh, he didn't. No, sorry, I had a grade for him. So whatever way that works. Okay, out. perfect, perfect. I don't know. Perfect. I mean, he's slightly different as he arrived quite late too. So he did play a pretty significant chunk of the season. Um, I give him a C, sure. Like, it definitely could have been worse with them adding Josh Donaldson. Um, also didn't exactly deliver what they would have hoped for, but then that was clutching at straws stuff in the first place. I don't know. I, I, I have a C. You could convince me. I don't like to go higher, but you could certainly convince me to go C minus range. But we're dealing with a pretty small sample size. He did come up with some moments. Yeah, C for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't have any problems with that. Um, like you said, they were just in a situation where they thought that the correctly that the magic was running out with Andre Monasterio and they wanted to find something to provide a spark and maybe some power and you know uh, three homers, four doubles, sure C for Josh Donaldson's fine with me uh, last up on the list Luis Arias the aforementioned, he is now um, in Seattle as he'll try and win a job with the Seattle Mariners uh, the Brewers obviously traded him uh, at the deadline to the Boston Red Sox for Bradley Blaylock, a pitching prospect who, you know, we'll see how he uh, ends up uh, in the Brewers organization. Uh, Luis Arias, I think he got, did he get hurt in his like first or second at bat of the season in Chicago? It was pretty early uh, running down to the first baseline. If I'm remembering that correctly, I was mm-hmm. sitting in the uh, left field uh, adjacent stands at Wrigley Field just taking uh, so much abuse from Cubs fans uh, as I waited for my friends to to show up in Milwaukee. I mean, in Chicago, but not Newmark. Um, and no, we, we waited. Yeah. We waited for Newmark too. He just never showed. Yeah, I, it was like uh, I felt like when like Dad's supposed to pick me up from baseball practice and he's not there, and I'm just sitting there in my cleats. Um, I, I'm st- I was stalling just so I could. Uh, Pull up his player page because, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm I'm dealing with a lot over here. I'm, uh, my my our producers in my ear and just things are going on. Uh, but yeah, Arias this year, um, one forty five batting average, two ninety nine OBP, two thirty six slug. Uh, traded was in Nashville for a lot of the time, trying to figure things out. F for Luis Arias. Honestly, maybe. And I know Matt Bush was in this too, but maybe the biggest F of all the Fs we've given out all offseason, because this is not like, this is not a nobody who was in the budget to just be like a non-factor essentially for the past two seasons. Um, The injury is really unfortunate, but there is a certain point where injuries plagued him last year. 
Um, and then when he did get a run of good health, like the play was terrible, terrible. And someone who just given like the whole exercise we've just done here, where we have to go through so many of these really grim names who played so much, like so much of that does hinge on Luis Arias not being healthy to play even let's say 120 games at an a career average level to that point. If he was able to deliver that, then I don't think the whole picture looks as grim. I don't think we're talking about all of those guys. And, you know, maybe it frees up a lot of different stuff. Maybe Bryce Terang is a much easier start to life in the big leagues. Um, there's a lot of bad luck in it on the injury side, but so many of the Brewers' problems last year, and I guess the problems that they're continuing to run over, is the tandem in whatever combination of positions, you know, because we choke could move around, but the tandem that it looked like had been established with Arias and Adama is crumbling because we just couldn't play. That's such a colossal, colossal dent in the Brewers infield. And it's part of why it remains a mess to this day. They weren't in a position to deal with that. And they're still not in a position as much as they may try to scramble, as much as guys maybe, again, kind of pushed up through the farm system a little bit too early. Like, that could very well be a fair characterization of Bryce Durang, but fate intervened and dictated, I guess that's what had to happen. So, yeah, it's an effort, Luis Arias. I'm right up there with one of the, the most disappointing players. I honestly feel over the two years that we've been doing this. Yeah, Adam, as we come to the end of this exercise, um, I guess uh, the rest of the guys are, are just incomplete. Guys like Jemiah Jones, uh, Darren Ruff, uh, who, similarly to Rowdy, even worse than Rowdy, had a brutal injury. Oh, Van Tarps, Adam. That was um, John Singleton, who ended up, I think, latching on with the Astros. Um, yeah, playoff at bats, right? Uh, I think so. If I'm remembering that, yeah. So incomplete for him, and and people there... people were trying to wreck on that as a Brewers thing, but look at his numbers for the Brewers, and I don't play the Brewers. No, uh, Abraham Toro, who performed well in his brief time there, but obviously uh, never worked his way into actual like sustained playing time. Yeah, is that is that everyone on the list? Is there anybody I'm missing? I think that's everybody that got playing time in the Milwaukee Brewers infield. That's all I had. It was enough. So I'll be honest. I don't need to find more. Jemai Jones did have that big double in uh, that game. He sure did. That was nice. Literally his Um, his first game, first at bat, right? And it was all downhill from there. Yeah. uh, Adam, I got to level with you. Um, You know, you're one of my dearest friends in the world. I've known you a long time now. We talk to each other regularly. This is one of my least favorite podcasts. I've it's ever not done. good, is it? It's really not. It hasn't. I, I'm retroactively apologizing to Willie Adamas again because you know, apologizing even though you to struggled, the listeners too. I mean, I think they are they deserve an apology. Uh, for the performance of the Brewers infield or me? Uh, well, I mean, for all of it, honestly, for the Brewers infield. For us being too harsh on Willie Adamas, for having to listen to this, maybe I should save this and next week's episode will just be an apology for this week's episode 
yeah, I mean that that's fine. Uh, I'm I'm fine apologizing. It's just you 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 think about the expectations you have for your favorite player, and then you're too harsh, and then you read what all of his teammates did uh, in comparison to him, and it really just hits you in the face, smacks you hard in the face. That's why when you were like C minus Willie Thomas, I was like, whoa! If we're starting with C minus for Willie, this is going to be a really tough time. Uh, we we bumped that up, and honestly, you're probably ready to give Willie an A now um, after everything else we talked about. But I won't go that uh, far. But like, if I if he like walked in the room, I would just give him a hug immediately and say, <laughs> you know what, you know what, even you even when you're best. struggling, yeah, you hit homers, you made you made good defensive plays. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, and I'm sorry to all of you for having to listen to us just go through this exercise. My least favorite podcast of the offseason are done they're in the can thankfully listen i don't know if the ones coming up in the weeks ahead are going to be great we need the brewers to start helping us out now you know we have a vision it's supposed to get us to a point where it's like oh you know things are kind of taking care of themselves andrew let me tell you things have not taken care of themselves so far so it's over to you matt arnold um our podcasting schedule is in your hands if you just if you abandon us, we'll find things. We'll probably find good and fun things. Um, I shouldn't say probably. We will find good and fun things, listeners who've suffered through this episode. Uh, but it would be great if the Brewers actually delivered some of the talking points in a positive way themselves. So we want to say hold our breath, but we'll we'll cross our fingers. We'll we'll hope that that is what lies in store for us and what lies in store for all of you. If you were just so riveted by this episode and you enjoyed so much the breakdown of the Brewers' outstanding collection of infielders, you're going to want to make sure that you never miss an episode of Cruising for a Bruising in the future, so you should subscribe where we get your podcasts. What you really should do, though, is check out the rest of the, the Eurostep Podcast Network shows, too. Uh, maybe now more than ever. Uh, GSPN, that's all of us. The main feed, the Eurostep Podcast Network feed. Hope to all things Milwaukee Books. We've got the Eurostep with Ty Winnish and Ron Cotty. We've got Win and Six with myself and Jordan Tresky. See, as I say, you should really check out all these things. I mean it, you should, because there's there's definitely conversation. The books conversation is maybe not the most fun it has been in recent years, but there's plenty of it. Talk of the Tundra. That's really, come on, it's time for everyone to row in behind Jordan and Numak. Row in behind the Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love did it. Jordan Tresky did it. Numak did it. Playoff time. This Numak's is feet haven't touched the ground in four days. I don't blame him. Colossal week. I'm gonna I'm gonna be bold, Andrew. I'm gonna say this is just the first week of a run of colossal weeks for the Packers and for Jordan Numak. Upset coming against the Cowboys. You'll get all of your Packers coverage, everything you need. Talk of the Tundra. Last but not means least, make time for this. Andrew and I talk movies, pop culture, other things there. We have been kind of on hiatus. I will we'll write that very soon. Um we'll plan that amongst ourselves. We'll probably write it even sooner than we might have thought earlier now. Um so yeah, subscribe. We've got a bunch of good movies to talk about. Golden Globes are this week. We won't be talking about them, but they do signal that we are in 
the thick of award season and we're we're at the time of year where we uh we really look back on the year that was we catch up on the final things that everyone else will come to define as the films of the year 2023 and we'll share our thoughts and our favorites in the the weeks and a couple of months ahead so lots of good stuff coming as always thank you for listening we appreciate you dearly thank you Adrian. thanks adam <laughs>